Hey guys, and welcome to episode 251 of Built on Passion. I'm your host, Matt Delabono, and today we have on the show the founder of Smartish, Matt Altschul. Smartish makes design-focused, function-optimized phone cases and accessories to make your life a little easier. While they have a serious utilitarian side to their designs, they aren't afraid to wave their weird flag. Go on their YouTube and find that out real quick. It's pretty clear that phones have become an everyday necessity, and it's an easy thing to take for granted, or even worse, you drop it, you crack a screen, and then your life's pretty much over. You gotta drop an arm and leg on a new screen or phone or whatever. Smartish's aim is to make carrying around a phone more practical and give you a chance to add a little personality to your life. That way you can fly your weird flag, and everyone's weird flag will be flying. Their phone cases aren't just phone cases and often have a secondary feature built into the design, plus they have a ton of color and pattern options to give your case a little, little pizzazz. It might seem like a simple thing on paper, but for founder Mount Altschul, the product building aspect of Smartish is something he holds particularly close to chest. With such a fun brand that's adding convenient innovations to everyday simple items, it's hard not to see the passion that's fueled this creative rocket. In this episode of Built on Passion, Matt Outschul shares how Smartish came to be, how he approaches product development, how to build a brand that stands for something, and the importance of finding your strengths and sticking to it. Without further ado, I give you Smartish founder, Matt Outschul. Matt, thanks for joining me today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. So I guess to start, who is Matt Altschul? Oh, I'd say Texas raised, UT Longhorn alum, fun-loving entrepreneur, world traveler, cat stepdad, storm-chasing snowboarder, and uh, fanatic, fanatically obsessed product designer. Yes, Matt of many hats. And cats. Yeah. And, and cats. <laughs> Man, I got to get that on a t-shirt. That's awesome. Yeah. I have a sheet shirt that says cats, not kids. Yes. Better yet. Maybe that's a, that's a little more about me too. That tells a lot about me. I don't think anyone will complain about the cats though. I feel like the internet at, very, at the very least has been very accepting of that. They are. Yeah. So what is Smartish? That's, that's what we're here for. That's, that's what brings us together today. Yeah. Well, uh, Smartish, what we do is make everyday life a little easier with phone cases and stuff that are just clever enough to solve unexpected needs. So what that means is like we look at little annoyances in your daily interactions with mobile accessories and fix some of the problems that maybe you didn't even realize you had. Right. So take dropping your phone, right? Most cases focus on protection, which is a core ingredient. But you know, what if you took a step back and said, wait, why am I dropping my phone? And instead of just saying, I'm going to protect from dropping the phone, how can we prevent you from dropping the phone to begin with? And that's that's a, a, an idea over one example of how one of our products, Gripmunk, was born. And Gripmunk's this thin case. I call it the case for people who don't like cases. And has the kind of the perfect amount of grip. It's good grip on the sides, kind of smooth on the back, but it's grippy, but not tacky. So as you can slide it into your pocket and pull it out of your pocket, you don't get bunny ears. So it stays in your hand and less likely to be dropped, whether your hands are wet or dry, uh, you know, has that nice grip. It's a kind of like a good example of what Smartish does, what we do, kind of taking a look into those ideas of problems, trying to fix them before you even know they exist. I guess removing the problems from even being possible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or let's say like uh, another product we kind of created maybe two years ago is our Dancing Queen case. So we have a lot of wallet cases and a lot of mostly girls love the cases, but they're like, well, I don't have pockets when I go out. And back, you know, now we're starting to go out again. That's cool. Uh, I don't have pockets. And also I have this lip gloss. I, ha I have my credit card, my ID, but I have this lip gloss and I don't have pockets. So we just invented the Dancing Queen, which is a crossbody wallet case. It has a little strap that goes across your, your chest. And the phone hangs from the strap, kind of like a clutch. And then on the strap, there's what we call two little lip gloss loops. And you can slide the lip gloss in there, kind of like bullets in a, in a holster. 
um, so that you have all all the needs that the girls needed. I think went out credit card, ID, lip gloss, and no pockets, no problem. That's awesome. Is that, I guess, the first of its kind? I don't know if there's anything like totally like that. I, I wish I could say it was the very first, but I wasn't the very first. And there were, you know, maybe two or three that existed before we had done this. And we'd kind of taken that idea and expanded upon it and improved it uh, since the lip gloss loops and some other functionality that we added, of, you know, just, just removable straps and you can put it on a wristlet or a crossbody strap. But yeah, it's early on. And I think even the, this, this style of case isn't even known as well by most people and people see it like, love it. Oh my God. Didn't know this this existed. I have to have this immediately. Yeah, I mean, I, I want that. I like to dance. You know, I mean, I have pockets, <laughs> so that's that's nice. But what if I, I don't want to be weighed down? That's awesome. Yeah, you know these 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 products that you know what is smartish, and these are the products that we've made. And I think uh, I guess one other thing is we're we're loud and proudly off, based in Austin, Texas. So you'll find a lot of Austin influences, keeping it weird in our. In our branding, our marketing, we have a lot of fun with what we do. Take our product seriously, but ourselves not so much. And so you'll see maybe a difference in us and a lot of the brands of how we put ourselves out there. And, and we that you can have a great product, but you don't have to be pretentious about it. Yeah, I, I was actually going to mention that. I that was one of the things that um, really stood out. I mean, how well you guys stand out. And there's a lot of phone cases, uh, a lot of phone case companies out there. I mean, not only, you know, you're doing things different, obviously, like with the dancing, the dancing queen having like a a sling phone case, but how did you shape that? Was building a brand identity kind of the first thing that you knew you wanted to do? Like you wanted to be about this idea or did you come up with the actual product first? Well, I wish I could say that I created the brand identity first, but I did not. I kind of put the cart in front of the horse. And you know, when we started this company 12 years ago, I was a product guy. And I'm still a product guy. I love product. And so I developed products before I really had a good brand. And the smartest brand has only been around for a short while of the, of the 12 years. I had some previous brands that, that we sold these same products through, but the brands just weren't that strong because I'm just not, admittedly, not great at branding. And I brought in more people to, on my team that are great at branding to get us to where we're at now. And I'm learning, but I'm still, I feel like an understudy of, of the, of branding from my marketing team and what they're doing. And I would say, I wish we had done the, you know, had the smartest brand the day that we launched, but we didn't. And we'd be a lot further if we had, you know, we had great products, which is what I focus on. And then for many years, I think, we were cut short because the branding wasn't as strong and memorable as it could have been. And so we finally realized that and brought on the right team and kind of turned that around to kind of say, what is it you're actually doing? Let's, you're not capturing that in the brand. You're not like creating, you're not telling the world what you're actually doing. We're not reinventing what you're doing. We're just actually putting a brand around it more accurately so people can understand it. And that's where the smartest brand came from. Honestly, I kind of think that the the way that the 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 smartish narrative kind of fell into place is the best case scenario. Having a product that you know is worthwhile, people can be attracted to a brand, but there's way less staying power unless you have like that the actual problem solving piece. That is true. Yeah, if you don't if you don't have a good product, it doesn't matter how good your your whiz bang branding and marketing <laughs> is. It's they're not they'll buy once, but they won't tell recommend any to any of their friends or buy again so you're clearly like the 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 product head of smartish what is your background in did you were you always in product design or is that something you kind of fell into i guess i somewhat fell into it maybe 15 years ago i'm a business background so business undergrad and graduate degrees and uh, i was in it even before that for about 10 years love loved technology big time i'm just a you know analytical type person love getting into things and I fell into another business with a friend it's building building headphones and I was VP of operations there and got thick into the development of making headphones and getting into this I'm like wow this is really fun this is great this is kind of fun crafting these physical products and then 
seeing them released out into the wild or the world and people loving them, it was a thrill to, to make this great product. And I've invested myself more and more into understanding product design and what makes a great product and how much I really enjoyed that. And that's what got me into this, the smartest company is let me keep doing that uh, in other ways outside of headphones. And so I've just kind of a fanatically product obsessed guy that just has the perseverance to see things through time and time and time again. And that's what keep keeps the company running or got us to where we are now. It's, it's almost like a best case scenario too. I mean, headphones is not too far out of the category of cell phone accessories or, you know, phone cases where it's that, that thing that everyone kind of has, you can kind of think about it like, Hmm, like this is something that everyone's always going to need. How do we make this better? How do we appeal to this person who's having this problem? Yeah. That, I mean, it was kind of a natural transition. I was trying to stay within my, my realm of understanding products, consumer electronics, you know, small, small, simple, somewhat simple products that could be utilized by a very large audience. Was there a moment when you thought to yourself or you realized like, this is the thing, this is, you know, lightning in a bottle, we're going to run with this. I would say there's been a few really good moments and a few really dark moments, many of both. Um, but maybe the, the first really big spark of like, wow, this is coming together. There's, there is light at the end of this tunnel is when we launched our very first wallet slayer case back then it was called something else. And, and I had launched it and then I pulled in and right at launch did so, so, and I, a few months later, I pulled in a, a different PR team who got that product in front of the right people. And all of a sudden, it's, the sales started taking off. And it was crazy to see how quickly this, the sales took off and think, oh, this is, this is actually doing something. This is actually selling. So some of our first products weren't selling very well. It was not looking great. You know, I was kind of, all right, this is almost one, maybe one last Hail Mary for this, for this Wallet Slayer case. And seeing it take off was, was a really good feeling. For sure, and that that's back in 2011. Yeah, and I mean that at that point, that category of uh, phone cases and phone cases in general, it's not like people are going to stop having a phone. So there's probably a lot of room to take that. Yeah, yeah, and even then, it felt like the competition was overwhelming. It's only in the last decade, it's gotten ten times more competitive than it ever was before. But even then, it felt like it was extremely overwhelming, extremely large number of brands making cell phone cases because the low barriers are entry. So you had to make sure you had a really unique product. And it, it was a lot of potential, certainly because everyone, like you said, everyone's got a phone and no one's not going to have a phone anymore and they're going to keep upgrading. But there's a lot of competition too. So it's like, all right, you got to keep iterating, got to keep getting better, making sure you stay on top. What would you say is Smartish's biggest differentiators? Obviously, the the outside of the Dancing Queen because that's it's very unique in and of itself. Well, first, it's our our simply badass design, and every product that we release has thought through from top to bottom, and that that sets us apart from a lot. I'd say most of the market, not all the market. There's a lot, a lot of other badass products out there as well in cases, um, and then our gruntled perspective is what we like to say. So gruntled is the opposite of disgruntled. And it's kind of like a semi-made up word that we like. And so we like to say we get, we get gruntled. And you'll see that in our marketing and that our marketing separates us out from the competition where, again, we have this unpretentious, approachable, kind of down-to-earth approach of selling what our products are and not trying to pretend that they are something more than they are. A lot of our a lot of the competition in our space overly exaggerates every aspect of every case that this case is going to save you, you change your life. It's military DOD 36501, you know, grade protection, which is, I guess, almost a made up spec that doesn't really apply to phones, but other companies use that just because it sounds really cool. And we're taking a different approach. It's like, look, 
here's what you're really getting. And let's not let's not overly analyze this and not sell like make it more than what it is. And I think customers appreciate that approach that we respect them and we're not trying to pull one over on them. But then when we make the pro- but when they get the product, it actually is a fantastic product. What has the growth been like since you launched? It's come in waves, I'd say. You know, we 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 are in phases of growth. In the very beginning, the first few years, very slow until we launched that wallet slayer. And then it was just this huge surge in, of sales and increase in sales the first you know, year or two. And then we had launched another another brand and line of products. And with that, we partnered with Amazon on a launch. This is back in 2014. And we also made a decision to pull out of retail stores and focus only on online sales in 2014. And that brand launch partnership with Amazon and renewed focus on online only brought us to another level of a huge surge in sales and growth. And then as we consolidated these brands into Smartish about three years ago, it's the sales increased again, kind of, I think it again, helped refocus our branding efforts. Customers were better able to understand branding and relate to it. And so it's, it's interesting to see, it's not just a straight line of growth, you know, year over year, we do have growth every year, but like there are these big surges and, and when we make these big moves. And so it's, it's been interesting. And each time you're like, all right, okay, now we've passed that surge. What's like, how can we continue to grow rapidly? And you're having to get really innovative on both marketing, branding, positioning, and then from the product standpoint as well, continuing to innovate in order to have rapid growth. It's, it's tough because as fast as we're growing, the, the competition is growing just as fast. And so it, it, every time you're trying to increase the size of your pie, somebody else is eating away on it at the other side. And so you got to be increasing as faster than the little Pac-Mans on the other side are eating it up. It, it's, a, it's a constant, it's, it's constantly a challenge, which keeps it really exciting, which keeps me excited about it, which fortunately 12 years later or in this business, I'm just as excited about running it as I was when I started this. I don't know. I could just talk about phone cases and stuff all day, every day. Fortunately, I don't get bored of it. There's a, a few things there that I, um, I'm hearing. I mean, one, there's the passion piece behind it, which is amazing. I mean, because you, you know, are so in it and there's a lot of, there's so many places you can take it. There's so much new things coming out where it's um, wireless charging is a thing or like, you know, it feels like there's so many things that are evolving with that, that allow you to evolve. Um, and even more, more specifically, which is crazy to me is I feel like your timing has been amazing on everything. 2014, Amazon just comes out. You uh, shift to direct to consumer model. Like that's a little bit, just a little bit before everyone hopped on board with that. And again, not specifically phone cases. I'm talking like across the from brands that I've talked to or have seen. It's it was like two years after when they really are like, okay, I guess we're doing direct to consumer. This this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Man, knocking it out of the park. That's that's crazy to me. That it seems like your timeline is like right on the money. Well, well, that's fortunate. <laughs> that's fortunate. Yeah. I mean, and, and maybe I'd say some of it's not an accident. You know, I see the writing on the wall of what's happening. Like I, I, I used to deal with a lot of retailers from this business in my last, and you just you just see the writing on the wall. They're getting the the buyers that these retailers are getting squeezed because they need they need to squeeze the vendors because their top line is getting squeezed because the sales are down. So they're like, well, we need to get more profit out of our vendors. And I'm like, this isn't changing. People, people aren't gonna keep going to staples. Like people are gonna try to not go to staples and office max and whatever other store, and we can just get it online and have it delivered the next day. This is like there's no way this is gonna keep growing. And so let's Let's follow the growing market and get away from the shrinking market. Absolutely. And, and I guess back to the challenges, like it could, as you're running any business, you have to continually see the shifts in customer demand, what products you need to fill those demands or future demands and the retail and positioning space as well. Man, it's, I, I, I'm sure everyone you talk to goes through the same thing. And if you get lazy at any moment, you're going to be behind the ball and you're going to be playing catch up. 
do you see any kind of major shifts coming over the next, I guess, couple of years? From a product standpoint, yeah, it's hard to say. From a product standpoint, we're continuing down the mobile, mobile phone cases and stuff. That's where we're staying. We're going to stay in that niche. And there's lots of changes that happen. They seem... Some people would say they happen overnight, but they happen slowly. For example, Apple's MagSafe on their phone, which is this little magnetic ring on the back of the phone that helps locate the wireless charger, but it also can be used for stands and just kind of holding your phone up. It hasn't really caught wind yet because it's, it's early adoption and people don't even really know what it is. But I think in a year, maybe two years, people are going to be like, MagSafe came out of nowhere. Like, it's MagSafe everywhere. This is awesome. And I think that's an example of you got to jump in right, right early on the product. Same with, same with AirTags. AirTags came out recently. And I think that $25 for those things, people are going to have those AirTags, everything, everything around them. Not everything, but I think it's going to be a very popular device. What is an AirTag? AirTag is Apple's tile. Oh, okay. Yeah, that came, out, that, that came out recently. And what's, it's, it's a very cool technology if you want to research in it, but it goes on to, it connects through any iOS device around it and uses that to help locate itself. But that's a good example of, a, of a, all right, this is a new market. We better you know, be first, be, be jumping right on that. So we're about to be releasing products there. And from a, I'd say a sales perspective, I honestly think more, more direct to consumers it is, it's going to go more DTC than it even what is already, even after 2020. And I think Shopify becoming somewhat of a marketplace, I think is a thing that's going to happen. That's my guess. And there's some, there's some analysts out there that think that's going to happen. It's like, all right, you have hundreds of thousands of Shopify stores. They're all running separately. What all it takes is for Shopify to flip it on. And now you have a Shopify marketplace that kind of lists everyone's products on a one giant marketplace instead of going to everyone's individual store. I think that's, and then that can compete with Amazon. I think that's a big thing that's going to happen. We'll see. One thing I think is cool about where you guys are at is you're, you've been focusing on just phone cases um, and kind of making it this, get, first of all, breathing life into a product that can be really mundane. And like, you know, you get a phone case, you want it to stand out. You want to be able to tell your phone from someone else's. So that helps too. But there's, I mean, I guess you can kind of take it to like tablets and beyond there too. It seems like an easy thing to apply to other electronic devices or um, everyday carry accessories. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're phone cases and stuff. So that stuff is it branches into charging accessories. We have chargers, wall chargers, cables. And we have wireless chargers about to come out, some other MagSafe charging products that's coming out. We do have some cable management products, which one's called the Cable Wrangler. The Cable Wrangler sits on your desk, your nightstand. So what it does is, let's say you're on your nightstand, you either have a dock or you have a cable. And you unplug the cable, you let go of it, it probably falls behind your bed. And then you're shifting and searching behind all the dust bunnies back there trying to get the cable every morning or night. And the cable wrangler is a little magnetic top. You just tap it right to the top and it sticks there and stays where it's supposed to be without looking like a messy electronic product. And so that's an example of, all right, you're within the mobile accessory space, but it's, it's a stuff. It's not a phone case. And we're, we're branching out into to more mobile accessories like, Air, like AirTags is another example and more MagSafe stands. So we're, th- this, this is our, our niche. Uh, we want to say focused in for now to say, all right, when people think smartest, think mobile phone cases and stuff within that realm. So, that, you know, people can, I don't want to make a kitchen accessory. It just wouldn't make any sense for the brand. And people would start questioning, what is this brand? I don't even understand what they do. But when we stay in our, stay in our, our category, people like people get it. I'm, I'm looking, I just pulled up the, uh, the cable wrangler. It's awesome. Cause it just looks like a little, like, yes. It's like a little, it's like a little pillow for your cable head. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's unassuming. It's, it makes sense. And with what you're saying is uh, about kind of staying in your space, like knowing where you want to operate. I feel like 
you know, again, going, going back to the point where people will always have phones, um, it's easier to look at the constant innovations and saying, oh, well, this is okay, but it would be even better if this thing had this to like accompany it or enhance it or get the most out of it. Yes. And that's part of that fanatic product developer in me. And that how always thinking, like, how could this be done better? And then it's, it's also kind of a vice too. It's like, I get frustrated when I see things that aren't done as well as they could be done. I'm like, look at this cup. Why did they design the cup like this? And I'm like, you know, it goes through my head and I'm like, man, I wish I would just not, I wish I could just drink from this cup and not be annoyed with the cup. I'm not, and I don't like verbalize it to people around me. I'm not that, that annoying, but in my head, that's what's going through in my head. And I'm like, man, this guy was lazy. This girl, whoever, who designed this cup was real lazy. And uh, so it's like, it, it's, it's, it's like an everyday part of my life. It's like, how could every product be better? How could this door not be better? Why do they turn? Why do they do it this way? They put it over here. And I'm just kind of like, and that goes through my head at all times, which is fun. In my, and, and like I said, it's fun slash annoying. But when it gets to my own products, I think, all right, when I made the cable wrangler, it took an embarrassingly long time to, to get this product to where it is now. Because it's very unassuming and very seems very simple, but we went through dozens of iterations of ways that this product could work, from clips to sl- like slots to hold, like slide the cable in, di- um, different types of functionalities of how this product could work until we finally simplified it down to the point where it really made sense and it really worked, and then we worked on making it this very, as you said, unassuming design. That can safely sit on the nightstand, and I, I kind of call it partner approved. You know, you're, a lot of times you, a wife or a partner is very particular about what goes on the nightstand. Like, no, only only thing like you can't put this you know big electronic thing on that nightstand. I picked out this everything else that goes up there. I can't have this techy looking thing up there. So this cable wrangler can slide right into almost any aesthetic and fit right in. Yeah, that's actually me. I'm I'm that person. So that speaks specifically to my soul. When I look at that, I'm like, oh, okay. Like I wouldn't mind this, you know, like it again, unassuming. It seems like it kind of belongs there. Um, and I feel like it's one of those things where you where you look at it and you kind of can't imagine it function another way. I'm sure like you kind of with what you're saying when you're kind of deconstructing the things that you look at, if you're like say, for example, like a cup. Um, it's nice to be able to look at something and be like, oh, this makes sense. Just kind of get it. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's good. This is done well. Yeah. That's yeah. That's the other side of it. When you see a good product, you're like, hmm, that's good product. <laughs> I mean, to, and what, with what you were saying, I, I've been thinking about this because I, I do the same thing with, I guess for, in, in my case, it's like, um, I guess content creation or, or marketing, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it happens if you, um, or watching a movie with someone who creates movies, whatever your profession is, whatever you spend time trying to make really well done, I feel like you'll bring this critical element into it. That's to me, it's not by any stretch annoying. It's even better because then you can get to, you get to look in the mind of someone who's actually putting together this stuff. Yeah. Is there any kind of um, commitment to sustainability or uh, sustainability piece that you've been working into smartish or kind of have in play? We're, we're working on it. I wouldn't say emphatically, but we're working to make steps in that direction. And you can see that already in our packaging and you won't see very much plastic used in our packaging and it's not overly oversized. It's a, it's a small paper package, recyclable paper and a minimal amount of paper as well and trying to minimize the, the waste products or things that can't be recycled. We're starting there. And then moving into, all right, now, how can we also make the products themselves sustainable? We're t- tinkering with biodegradable materials for the actual product. Now, this is a, a very balanced approach you have to take because if, you're, if your product you're making is biodegradable and it's a phone case and it goes everywhere with you, you want to make sure that it's not biodegrading in your hands while you're still using it, right? Uh, but there are there have been some advances in some materials that 
are say 95% compostable or even entirely compostable that we are working towards getting our products made out of uh, at least a percentage out of that so that we're either reusing using reused plastic or compostable plastics um, i i just try to be realistic on how quickly we can do it we're aware of it and we're making strides that direction i think that's um honestly i i, I think that's the best case scenario there is a bit of a disconnect where um i think it's easy to want something to be ultra sustainable um but not realizing what that might mean in terms of like sacrificing quality wise yeah there's sacrifices in the material uh, how well it forms and there's also sacrifices in cost and that it in an ultra competitive market and we're in a we're in a lower price point category intentionally that we try to have a really good value for our products it's also using re, uh, compostable or sustainable more sustainable products drives up the price pretty significantly of the of the product and what that hap- what happens there is some cons- consu- all consumers will say that they will pay extra for a sustainable product but when it comes down to it not many put their money where their mouth is and so we're trying what we're what we're likely to do is have launch a few particular lines that are made with those reusable compostable type products get them out there and as more consumers actually put the money where the mouth is saying all right i'm willing to pay a few dollars more for this because i understand that's what it's going to cost i can't buy a 11 dollar case that's 100% sustainable um reusable etc it's it's just difficult but you can buy there's 40 dollar 50 60 dollar cases that are because that's what the supply chain costs and material costs are. So some people are willing to pay that extra. And, and that's why some of those cases do exist for much, much, you know, three times the cost that we're paying uh, or our, our, there are costs, three times the cost of our product for it. So we're moving that direction. I think I, what you mentioned saying that you have, um, I guess, a, a easier price point on your products is also important. It's, it's important to know because not everyone can pay a premium for a sustainable product. So you yeah. still keep it open. Yeah. And I guess that's maybe something I missed. And when you talked about differentiators is that we are at the quality of the highest of the quality products on the market that we actually think through every aspect of design, but almost every one of those products that are within our stratosphere of quality are two to three to four times our costs when you at you know, price points. And so that's a big differentiator. You know, we're selling for fourteen or nineteen ninety nine when a quality of product that's being sold for fifty dollars out there, and that's that. And then sometimes that's almost to our detriment, where people immediately classify us as a cheap product. We're in, we're inexpensive. We're not cheap, and so we have to explain. Okay, we don't take ourselves too seriously. Our price points are under twenty dollars, but this is a very good quality product. So sometimes we kind of have, we have that challenge ourselves. How do you convince people that price doesn't high price doesn't indicate quality always? How how do you do that? We create very good product detail pages and walk through all the different aspects of it. It's I guess a continual challenge, and we hope that people will fall in love with our brand and our irreverence that we have. I think there will still be some people who are just not trying to put any effort into making their purchase decision and say, all right, I'm buying the most expensive one and it's going to be the best because it's the most expensive. And if they have that mindset, we're probably not going to get to them. Uh, but I think through our, our jaunty and irreverent product descriptions, I think we can get to people. The other big part is our reviews from customers. A lot of our products have 10,000 reviews and you know, 4.6, 4.7 star reviews. Uh, you know, on on average, and that can speak for itself. I think that because you guys take a more uh, like a reverent voicing, it makes it just way easier for you guys to articulate what you are, who you are, what you're trying to be to people. And even like looking at the like you, I'm sure you've seen cheap phone cases on phones, and you know, when doing market research or whatever, 
like they're out there. It's like just a shell. You can kind of see that even by the shape of what you, you would get with a smartish case, uh, it's a little bit more of like a dynamic design instead of just like, here's a plastic thing, clip it on and see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I can, when I'm, when I'm in my everyday life, specifically at airports, I see phone cases and then I see people attached to those phone cases. And so I, I check out everybody's phone cases that I'm walking around and, you know, I'll see so many designs that are just not thoughtfully designed. It's just, they just kind of just a piece of plastic dropped over the bare minimum or the buttons. You can tell they're not, they're not going to work very well, or this, this one's not even protecting the camera. It's not even lifted up over the camera. When it drops, it's going to hit or the screens. It's not even protected. When you hit it face down, it's going to hit the screen, not the case. Why would you do that? So yeah, our, our products are definitely differentiated in that way. And along those lines, let's say when, when I do travel, I do this a lot. Uh, I'll, when I see somebody using one of our cases in the wild, which happens more and more often, and they'll be, I'll be you know, standing in, in line at the airport or something, and I'll, I'll go up to them and be like, hey, well, uh, how do you like that phone case? <laughs> and at first, uh, they're pretty weirded out. And they kind of look at me weird, and they're like, what? The phone? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you like that phone case? And they're like, okay. And after they're done being weirded out, like almost every time people are emphatic about how much they love the case and, and they start selling it back to me. And they're like, oh, it's, oh, it's actually really cool. Uh, you fit a couple of cards in here. I don't have to carry a wallet anymore. It's like, it's got this like really good grippy sides. That's great. And so I used to, I used to ask them this and then I'm like, that's cool, cool. Like, what do you, you know the brand? Like what's what brand of case is that? And this is, the answer to this is what really drove me to start to rebrand as Smartish is before most customers say, uh, or most people in this I was talking to say, uh, you know what? I don't know. And they're looking around the case, looking for a brand name and either they'll find it like, oh, okay. It says, uh, it says Silk or CM4 or something. It says one of our old brands. It says, they say, oh, it's that brand. Or it's like, I don't know. I got it. I got it on Amazon. I, I don't know. I have to go look it up. And so that answer was the key more often than not is that, that, that was the answer. And that's what drove me to realize we're not branding correctly. We have a great product. This customer loves our product to the point where like, they're selling it back to me. They don't know who I am. I didn't identify. I, after that, I'll tell them who I am. They don't know who I am and they're selling it back to me, how much they love this product. But they, even as much as they love the product, they can't even remember the brand. So I was like, we got a problem here. And uh, that's, that's where we, that's where Smartish was born. And it's great too. Cause at that point, since it's like, you know, you can see what you're going for smart ish you just throw an ish to anything and it it's like your branding is applied to that thing oh yeah it's the it's the ish life it's <laughs> i think i think we're i think we're living in the ish life and you know i'll be there at five ish like like uh how you know how was the food I'm like that's good ish you know it's it's like a it's a uh i think it's used more more and more often i think it's on the uptrend Hopefully it's not just a hopefully it's not just a fad or a trend, but uh, it's a. I think I think it's it, it works as our brand. It really when we when we hit this name, I was really excited. It just everything fell into place from what we stand for, our core values. Me personally, you know, not taking yourself too seriously. You're making something that's that's really smart, but you're not trying to pretend that it's going to change your whole life. You know, it's smart-ish. You know, oh yeah, that's cool. That's smart-ish. Yeah, it it's it's been it's been a fun brand. The some of the best advice I've ever gotten, which I I reference this often, don't let great be the enemy of good. If you try to shoehorn all these other features or make something so perfect, it ends up hurting what you want to get out of the thing. Yeah, it's true. You're chasing perfection. Uh, you're never gonna you're never gonna reach it if you if you have an unrealistic expectation of perfection, right? Not to throw out too many euphemisms, but I remember this one popped into my mind. Um, there, it's you can't invent a better mousetrap, something like that. Well, that, yeah, that goes along with the yeah, the smartish, smartish mentality, and uh, like along the smartish mentality, we have a lot of fun with the brand. We have a we have a pretty fun YouTube channel. It's a uh, you know YouTube.com/slash/smartish. We have a lot of pretty pretty irreverent pretty entertaining videos out there that uh i don't think anyone else would be able to pull off but us and and even when we put them out there a lot of times we, our, our comments are 
WTF? <laughs> like, what did I just watch? And it's 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 pretty fun anthropomorphized phone cases and and cases acting poorly. It's 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 pretty pretty fun stuff. Phone case theater. But yes, phone case theater. There you go. What is some of the biggest mistakes you made in building Smartish? Oh man, there's too many to count. There are too many to count. I would say it's all started at the very beginning as building the product before I had it sold. I would say it's probably the very first mistake I made starting this business. And I think a lot of people do. And you need to make sure you already have a customer before you make that product. Uh, a lot of times it's, it's not filled with dreams. If you build it, they won't, it's not, they won't always come. And now that, that's, that's not to say maybe you did a really good market research, you know, but some people just kind of have a, a gut feeling like, oh yeah, I think, I think this is where it's going. They didn't really have a real pulse on the market and they made this product and they made too many of them and they go mass production or something. They don't iterate through and then they get stuck with a bunch of dead and worthless inventory. And I did that to a certain degree when we first, when I first started this company and that's certainly the very first big mistake I made amongst many, many mistakes. I'd say probably that's one of the biggest and I see still happening with entrepreneurs today. It's it's that getting excited piece and you know finding I, I, I think that's that's what happens when people get so excited about an idea. Um, you know, you it, you get these rose-colored lenses. It's it's tough to separate the um, pride piece to, I guess, the marketing piece. You know, the, mm-hmm. the product development. That's the difference between product development and marketing, uh, in my eyes. Yeah, yeah, I hear. I I definitely can relate to that. I have a lots of lofty ideas, and they're coming at me faster than we can implement them. And you just have to write them down and then have a strategy session, and you know, with the other execs, like, all right, what are we really going to focus on? Let's, let's try to go a quarter at a time or something, or a year at a time, and then break it down the quarters. And all right, well, let's be realistic. What is it? What can we put a resource? What's the best thing we can put our resources to? But it's good. We're dreamers. It's it's the yes. the pride of the mat. Yes, the vision, the visionary, the dreamer, the crazy uncle, however, whatever you want to call it. I'll take it all. I'll fit the fit the bill on all those things. In that same vein, now what keeps you up at night? It doesn't have to be smartish related. It could be ghosts. Oh, I I would just say how we are going to get people to love our know know find and love our smartest brand and that it's a constant struggle so remember i'm a product guy and i feel like all right i got lots of ideas of what's going to be great for products so like that doesn't concern me as much because i kind of have a clear vision of what i want to do but i don't have a clear vision is on the branding and marketing side it's doing so much the smartest brand and it's and it's caught on pretty well but it hasn't caught on as well as i think it should have as 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 as, as good of our our YouTube videos are and our marketing is and their reverence is all a lot of fun. When people start looking at it, it's a lot of fun, but it hasn't, hasn't quite catch caught fire the way I think it has. And so what keeps me up at night is thinking, why are we, why hasn't, why hasn't it, you know, it's, it's hot. We've got a little campfire going, but I want a bonfire. I want it like, like a forest fire of people who love this, this brand. And uh, that's what keeps me up at night. I guess I would say. Dude, honestly, I, I love the branding on this and it's, it's like a, it's a phone case. Phone cases aren't, it's hard to make a phone case sexy, but mm-hmm. I feel like there's enough differentiate differentiators of how you relate the product to people that at this point it's just getting it in front of people. And it, I don't think it would take long for people to be like, this is awesome. I, yeah. I like this. Yeah. And we, we have, we have a lot of, we have big brand loyalty. Oh yeah. But I just feel like there's so much more potential. Yeah. That's even better yet. Cause I mean, imagine being like, I don't know what else we can do. And you're in this position where you're like, man, it, it's, it may be taking longer, but you have so much ammo in the bank in my eyes. I mean, you obviously know better than I would, yeah. but at least from where I'm sitting, uh, it's kind of, you know, like a thrilling thing. That's a good, that's a good positive way of looking at it. Like, look at all the potential we have. <laughs> Yeah. Plus, I mean, you include Smarties, which in and of itself is. I heard you're a fan. I heard you're a fan of Smarties. 
Yeah, I am. I that's it's one of those things where I realize that Smarties, for whatever reason, everyone thinks Smarties are gross. Those people are wrong. That's for Yeah, we can nip that in the bud. But yeah, I, I would say I'm a connoisseur. Yeah, uh, we dig them. Yeah, we send Smarties every press kit. Yeah, except for the except for the, there's one or two that be like, don't send me that that weird that weird funny stuff. Just send me the products. It's really funny. Every once in a while, we'll get that. Like you know, on press that we work with every like on a regular basis, we're like, okay, we get it. Not everybody wants that, but it's 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 funny to see who who loves it, and who doesn't love it. Uh, yeah. Well, the, they're wrong. I I and I mean that in the most publicly and insulting way possible. If you don't like Smarties, I want direct communication, and I want to start an argument with you. Yeah, it's a it's you you and you in a booth and on campus. Smarties are great. Change my mind. Yeah, exactly. And I yeah. am in a college town, so I have maybe, I don't know. Maybe you should go set up a booth. <laughs> Camp out for a bit. I got yeah. some time. Yeah. I always got some time for Smarties. Yeah. Um, enough of this Smarties talk. Back on track. What advice would you give someone who wanted to start a business? First off, make sure you're passionate about whatever it is you're doing. And I know that's cliche. But it is it is real because whatever it is you're going to be working on is going to end up not being as fun as you thought it was once you get really into it. You know, year two, three, four years into it, at some point, it's just going to feel like a lot of work. And if you don't absolutely love the core of what you're doing, you're going to quit. So that's that's why that follow your passion is such a cliche, but it's not cliche. It's real. I would say number one, number two, definitely make sure you have a customer before you make a product. You know, you can, you, you, you don't have to have 10,000 people already signed up to buy it, but you need to make sure that somebody's going to need this product. And a safe way of doing that is iterating through prototypes and showing it around. Iterate, 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 find people that are in, your target market and show it to them and give them samples, give them, give it to them. Iter- keep iterating through and don't make too many units until you know that you have a product that, that the target, the core target audience, the people who would really, the diehards of who would love this product, all fanatically agree that's a great product. And then be ready f- to work more than you've ever worked in your whole life and have to persevere more than you ever thought you would you take however much work you think it's going to be. It's hard, the the, the hardest worst case scenario, and then triple that. And then you're probably getting close to how much work it's going to be. Those are all fantastic. Um, Especially the passion piece. It's really hard to push through a crappy day. If you don't care about what you're building or doing. Yeah. Um, True. Yeah. And even I, I think it's interesting. It's not just a product thing because we, you know, for what we do, we don't really specifically have a physical product, but you do have to find like people really don't just fall into your lap. And with the way the ecosystem of actually getting information, a show, products out there in front of people, you kind of got to go find them. Yeah. Whether it's through like groups or ads or communities. And if you didn't care that much about it, you probably wouldn't be that motivated to search too hard. And then it would die. Everyone, everyone wants to be the boss and run a business, <laughs> but no one wants to build the thing. I, I feel like it's a, a tricky balance and it's easy to kind of see who's, you know, it's how much, how much pain you could take, I guess. Yeah. It is. It is perseverance. Yeah. Yeah. What is the best part about running Smartish? Ooh, it's definitely catching cases in the wild. Well, when I am out to dinner or I'm traveling or I'm in South Thailand or, you know, Greece, and I see somebody using one of our products and I get up there and I talk to them and I had that conversation. And like I said, ask them about their case and they, and they sell the case back to me. That is the greatest feeling in the world to me that, that per, I've made that person's life just that little much better that they have this product that has made their lives better in this 
you know, smallest of ways that I've done that. And I know I've done that times, you know, hundreds of thousands because other people have using that product. That's the, that's probably the coolest feeling about running the company. Do you ever see, um, cause I, I know you guys do uh, custom prints. We do. Do you ever see Have you ever seen anything like particularly like wild or like super weird? Or- On the custom prints? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, there's lots of, lots of psychedelic type prints that go out there. Uh, but nothing too ridiculous stands out. I would say it's mostly family and dog photos. <laughs> it's most, that's, that's most of it. And, and then beyond that, it's, it's, a uh, what we call it, we call I heart graphic design designs. It's and like, that's like kind of a throwback to a joke that like I heart cust- uh, graphic design. And it's just like a, like a 1990s word graphic basically. And that's, you, know, you see people's graphical skills put together as they try to design a cool something or other on the case. Like Microsoft Paint. Come, y- yeah, Microsoft Paint with a spray paint or something. And you're just like, you're looking at it and you're like, I heart graphic design. And, and so be like, hey, but you know what? That person's really excited about it. I've even made some for my friends and they've designed it. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay, okay. Then I'm like, we printed out and I, I hand it over to my friend and my friend's like, that looks great. <laughs> I was like, I sure does, buddy. <laughs> I heart graphic design. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I, I feel like that's like, that could be such a cool thing. I mean, I'm sure like in some capacity, some way this has happened or will happen, but with how many people, um, especially with Instagram, you see so many artists or people just kind of doing the things out of, you know, their own interest. It'd be, great to like have like a i guess consortium of artists that you work with and like special edition throughout some stuff you know we do have artists featured featured artist prints so on our on our website correct uh, in our collections we have artist collabs and we have right now i think it's 10 or 11 almost all austin-based artists that we've collaborated with and they have their designs on between six and ten cases each and 50% of the revenue of those sales goes to the artist. That's awesome. I'm looking at this right now. I really like um, Gabriel Delia. You Oh yeah. Picking butt. He's good. Yeah, these these are that's awesome. Okay, never mind. You do do this awesome thing. There we go. We <laughs> do it. Yeah. It's great. I mean, cuz I mean these these people are, these artists are are fantastic of the opposite end of the spectrum what we're talking about uh, they're 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 fantastic and it's really cool to for them to be able to offer their artwork up onto our cases and it works really well as a collaboration because for phone cases it's difficult to sell prints for most it would be almost impossible for most artists because we have to you really need to print on demand because you don't know what style of case they want you know what size of phone they have and so you can't pre-print them. You can't. It is. It would end up with so much waste. And so what we do is we can. We have the capabilities of printing on demand. So they we can offer all of their designs and all of our different products and all cases and all colors. It's literally hundreds of options of, of cases and colors that they can offer on, and the customer can pick from any of those and will print right on demand without any inventory risks to us or the artists. So they can just see the proceeds without ever having to do any of the work. And so it works really well. That's all. See, that's the thing that makes it like when people are looking for a phone case. Sure. A lot of people are looking for something that's like functional, whatever. But I feel like so many people are looking for a way to kind of like throw a little like their own self-expression on it. Um, yeah. With so many things. Do you, do you guys make your cases in-house? Uh, we print right here in our Austin, Texas office. Yeah. We, so the, everything it is it is manufactured overseas, and then we keep our in, uh, a large inventory here in our Austin office, and we print on demand. So you order that day, we'll print that day and ship it out from here from Austin. That's awesome. These designs are awesome for the listener. Yeah. I highly recommend checking it out. Yeah, yeah. There's some featured artist collabs. We also have our Case for Pause collection up there. So what is Case for Pause? Case for Pause is our philanthropic end of our, our company. So we've partnered with them for the last two years, and we have a whole collection of cases, just like our future artists. But on these collection of these of these cases, pet themed, dog, cat, pet themed cases, 
half of the revenues goes towards Austin Humane Society, any cases that are sold with those prints. A lot of fun prints on there. But not only that, we also support month every month for the last two years, we support a cat condo and a dog kennel within the Humane Society, Austin Humane Society here in Austin. And that supports the pets that go through that kennel, all the food, vaccinations, everything that has to go for whatever pets in there. And we turn over a lot of uh, pets that uh, are eventually adopted every year. And we're paying for the uh, paying for all the expenses for that, uh, whoever goes in, whatever animals go in there. In addition to that, we also are big participants in the their gala they have a big fun gala and they have animals and a big adoption thing. And so in addition, we'll bid and, and bid and donate as well to the Austin Humane Society gala as well. And so a lot of what we're doing here, uh, a lot of sales uh, are supporting these animals finding new homes. And, you know, it is just one shelter and one uh, here in Austin. Yeah, I know it's, you know, if you're in Vermont, it's, that's not making a difference in Vermont, but we're doing the best we can. And so what we can do is trying to make a bigger a big splash in one place. And it makes a really big difference for their shelter. So that, that that's a couple of different ways that we're supporting that humane society. That, that focus on local, I feel like is, is really important. It's something that I, I mean, I, I appreciate that as more and more uh, companies out there kind of getting involved in something like that. I think it makes more sense to kind of invest in the community you're in and yeah you're right you make a splash with where you are even especially helping out artists too yeah it's good and then you know eventually we'll we'll spread branch out to more artists uh across the country and the world actually gabriel is is in dc uh he's he's the one artist actually that is uh not from austin he's got great, great artwork a friend of ours a uh, friend of mine introduced me to him and great great artwork how did you get involved with um pause for cause did you uh, just approach them and say hey we want to support you let's work something out what was the yeah yeah our, our case for pause program started two years ago when we, we wanted to make sure we had a partnership local here in austin and we were looking for an organization that truly needed the help there are there are actually some other shelters here that actually i've talked to some of the people that are in charge of some of them and they almost have more more support than they even know what to do with and so I don't want to jump in on a organization that already has is very well funded. So we're trying to we try to find somebody who needed the support where it can make a difference and for something that could align with our interests uh, as a company and us personally as well and as and kind of how we fit in within the city. And so almost every one of us in, in Smartish owns a pet. I said, you know, I have I've, I'm a proud stepfather of a cat named Miso. So my partner Joni, she has a, a cat Miso that she adopted, and uh, we Miso's the cute little thing. And a lot of our other uh, employees here have dogs that they've adopted as well. And so this really fit with our culture and our values, and w- what Austin stands for too, is supporting a lot of animal rights here. So it, it worked out really well with us. That's awesome. Also, Miso is a fantastic cat name. Miso. <laughs> Yes, she's this cute little, cute little tiny little orange tabby. She's 11 years old. And she thinks she's six months. She's just a, just a little adventurer. Love her. Matt, thank you so much for coming on, chatting about Smartish, dissecting your experience, and giving us a, a closer look at the brand. For the listeners who want to find out more about Smartish, maybe pick up a phone case of their own, where's the best place for them to head? Smartish.com. That's the best place. You can also, if you want to, if you want to look up all the reviews, you can find us on amazon.com slash smartish, but smartish.com has the widest selection of prints and products there. Uh, you'll find, you'll only find the featured artist prints on smartish.com and our smartish design studio where you can personalize bespoke cases yourself. Show us how much you heart graphic design there and we'll print your case here in Austin and ship it out to you the next day. Go check out their YouTube channel. Get some phone case theater. Oh, yes. YouTube.com slash smartish. That's that. Hey, if you're nothing else, go get inter- go get some cheap, free entertainment. It is good stuff. It's very entertaining. Awesome. Matt, thank you so much again for coming on. All right. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. 
This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Daddy Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.